Good morning. You guys can have seats. Uh, my name is Wade. I'm one of the pastors here at Indelible Grace Church. We are, uh, as Pastor Michael mentioned last week, we're taking a short break from the book of Deuteronomy. And we're doing a short series in the book of Proverbs. This is going to take us to um, uh, for a few weeks, and then we'll have a couple of Christmas sermons, and then we'll jump back into Deuteronomy. And uh, what we're talking about as we go through the book of Proverbs is, is how we, we relate to people in the different spheres of our lives, in our friendships, in our relationships, um, with counselors. And today we're going to look at how we're to relate to authorities. Specifically, what is our relationship with civil authorities, the government, um, law enforcement, those who have a place above us. And though we'll think about... Um, and then we'll be spending the majority of our time talking about civil authorities. Um, the principles for us are, are, are for all forms of authority that we live under, um, whether it be in the home or the workplace, um, in our public life. So we're going to look at the text today. This is in your bulletin. This is from Proverbs 14, verses 28 through 35. Proverbs 14, 28 through 35. You'll notice in your bulletin that there are there is another passage. We'll actually be looking at several passages today, but our main text is Proverbs 14, 28 through 35. Will you read with me? In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without a people a prince is ruined. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. This is the word of God. So, like I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, our sermon today is rooted in this passage in Proverbs 14. But we'll also be looking at a number of passages throughout Scripture, including a passage from First uh, Peter that you see in your bulletin. And another one of these passages is actually a verse from Philippians 3.20. This is not in your bulletins, but listen to what Paul writes to the Philippians. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, your citizenship is in heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. That means that you belong to another place. For many of us, we're also citizens of this country, the United States. Uh, but we, we, we live within the borders of our country. We pay taxes, we vote, we read the news, we have opinions about politics, we argue with people on the internet about pol politicians and legislature and mandates. I see your Instagram stories and Facebook posts. And we can become really passionate about the things related to the country and the governments, either positive, quote-unquote, or negative, quote-unquote. Do you remember the days and weeks following September 11th? More than any time in modern American history, there was broad general support for the actions of the government. Patriotism was at an all-time high. 
But what has happened since these 20 years have passed? The American people are fractured by politics, especially in the past several years. We have people screaming, not my president. They say this of the current president. They've said it of the previous president. There's a deep mistrust in the political system. And it seems like these days, you can't just disagree with the opposite political party, whatever it is. You can't just disagree with them. You also have to disrespect them. You also have to dehumanize them. And where on the spectrum should believers fall? Between allegiance to the country in the name of patriotism or a complete mistrust of government and the civil authorities that give shape to our public lives. Our passage in Proverbs gives us some wisdom as we figure out how to answer that question. And you'll notice that our text, it begins with a reference to the king, verse 28, and it ends with a reference to the king, verse 35. And these provide a frame for the passage. They're the context in which we understand what's being said in today's passage. So as we look at the text, I want us to understand three things this morning. Number one, which is our place in the community. Number two, our place under civil authority. And number three, our place under Jesus. So our first point, our place in community. Civil authority matters and is necessary because life matters. The welfare of people matters. And this is ultimately why there is such a thing as a president or a king or systems of government or authorities is to provide a structure of rule for the good of the people. And this is implied in verse 28. It says, In the multitude of people is the glory of a king. But without people, a prince is ruined. And what's being implied here is this, that the position of the king, of the prince, this position has influence and power only because there is a people to rule over. And though the kings, though the rulers, though the princes get attention and power, it's the good of the citizens of the king's kingdom that really matters. And put in today's context... It's this, that the politicians get attention, they make the headlines, they're the ones with clout and influence, they're the ones that get all the, uh, all the criticism, they're the ones that get a lot of the praise. But the true metric of their success is not how many times they get re-elected, but the welfare of the citizens of the land. And the passage points us to the people, of that, that, the people that matter. Verse 34, The writer says this, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. This is the person that matters. The oppressed, the poor man, the one who is needy. And for us, when we see people in need, when we see someone in distress, who do you hope will be the one to take care of that person long term? Don't we so often look to the government to provide relief, to provide the resources for the people? And you say, isn't this what I pay taxes for? They should be doing something good with my taxes. But the Proverbs, it tells us this, that the the care of fellow citizens falls on us. 
Look at how intensely personal verse 28 is. Oppression is not just an offense to the people who are oppressed. Oppression is an insult to the one who made these people. And to show generosity to those who need help, this is what honors your God. And this proverb contains this principle for us to consider, that to care for others is the way that we honor God. And just as God is honored when His people care for others, so do civil authorities. Civil authorities also honor the Maker, whether or not they know it, because He is the one that ordained their existence. So government and politics, they exist to serve the people. And this is how we need to think about any type of civil authority that we live under. Does this politician or this office, does this form of government, does, do they take into account the dignity of all people? Does it take into account the safety and the welfare? Whether or not you agree with them, does a government promote justice and equity? for the unborn, for the poor, for the oppressed, for the needy. And maybe I don't need to tell you this, but maybe I do. Both parties in America have failed to do this. The Democrats and the Republicans. And they always will, no matter how good the leaders are, because there's no such thing as a perfect political party. Both parties and the all the uh, other parties as well they're made up of sinful people just like you and me and though they may be more qualified on paper to lead a country the evil in their hearts is not all that different from the evil in your heart and mine and therefore we can't count on any king any queen any prince any princess any government to care for its subjects or its citizens perfectly. They probably won't even do it well. And if they do, it's by the grace of God. Now, this doesn't mean, this sounds like a very dark picture of politics, politicians and government, I know. But this doesn't mean that we shouldn't engage in politics or voting or advocating for change. We should be thankful that we can do those things, and we should. We should be a light to the world. We should function as salt in our society, but don't expect any party or man-made system to carry out what we want it to do. It's up to the individual citizens to care for the fellows to, to care for their fellow citizens face to face, but beyond that, also through the channels of government, by voting and advocacy, through engagement and public discourse. And this is not for the sake of politics, not for the sake of saying I'm right and you're wrong, but for the sake of the welfare of people. This is why politics matters, because people matter. So again, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So this is our first point. When we think of civil authorities, we are to understand that they are to work for the welfare of the people. This is primarily why they exist. And our second point, our place under civil authority. So here I'm going to to take a few minutes to give us a biblical understanding of civil authority. This is uh, pretty basic, but I want us to kind of have a framework to work with as we continue to think about the words in Proverbs. So um, this is where we begin. 
that there is a specific purpose. There are specific purposes for civil governments. It is to restrain evil. It's to punish wrongdoers. And it's to preserve order. Romans 13, again, not in your, in your bulletin, but listen to what Paul writes. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgments. And then 1 Peter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And what are these passages telling us? It's telling us that government is given to us for our good by God. Government, civil authorities carry out the purposes of God in civil affairs If you are into theological terminology, the term is common grace. This is the phrase we use, common grace. Common grace, these are the gifts that God gives to all people, whether or not they believe and trust in Him. Common graces are things that all people can enjoy. Whether it's good food or laughter or friendship or nice weather, Whether or not you know they're from God, these are God's grace, common graces to the world. And on that list are civil authorities. Government is a common grace to people that includes politicians and law enforcement and community leaders. So as we listen to these two verses that that we just read, we're to recognize that God has placed civil authorities in their place for a good purpose. And even if these governments are imperfect, and even if we disagree with what they do, we're to honor those offices. They are a common grace for the good of all people. We're to honor these positions of authority, assuming that they're legitimate. So this is the basis, and what are we to do? How, what are we to do... Um, in terms of our relationship to God. First Timothy tells us this, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. It is our responsibility to pray for those who are in power. Even if you dislike what they're doing, even if you disagree with them. You're to honor them. You're to respect them. You're to respect the office and pray for them. Pray that God would give them wisdom. Pray that God would reveal what he wants done. And also, there are times when we have to oppose authorities. If we're ever put in a position by civil authorities where we have to disobey God, then we have to remember that we have a higher allegiance to God. And we see this in various places in Scripture. There is, in the book of Daniel, do you remember these uh, three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were told to worship, to bow down and worship the statue by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they defied his orders. In the book of Exodus, the Egyptian midwives, they disobeyed the orders of Pharaoh when he told everyone to put all the Hebrew baby boys to death. Again, defying this higher authority. 
And in the book of Acts, the apostles, they refused to stop preaching the gospel, even though the authorities in place told them to stop. They continued to preach the gospel in defiance of this authority. So these are some of the principles that we that uh, we're to keep in mind as we think about our place under civil authorities. That we are to respect the office, we're to submit, we're to honor and pray for those in charge above us. So now let's go back into the text in Proverbs. And this is what Proverbs tells us. That before we support or criticize the government, we are to look inward. We're to look inward before we support or criticize civil authorities. Verses 29 and 30, and also verse 33, tells us that we're to learn to rule ourselves. We're to live disciplined lives with intention. Whoever is slow to anger and has great understanding. This is something that happens in your heart. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. If you're unhappy, if you're unsatisfied with the position that you have in life, if you're unhappy with what you have, this is not a government issue. This is a heart issue. We have to learn to be content with what God has given us, even if we hate the politics of our land. This is not the government's job to give you everything that you want. It's our responsibility to learn how to be content with what we're given. In verse 33, wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding. And then verse 35, it tells us that the wisdom and integrity of the individual, you and me, this is what gives us the platform to influence those who are placed above us. It says this, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor. It's up to you and me to live lives that reflect the goodness of God, that reflect the fact that we serve a good and wise God. And this will, in principle, give us a platform to influence those who are placed above us. And then verse 34, we're also to promote righteousness. That even though things may look bad, even though it seems like we cannot make any difference, we're called to have a place in society and culture. We're to play a part in shaping public life in a way that honors God. We do this by our voices and engagement in public life, through our votes. We're to help promote a standard of morality for the good of the people. We're to advocate for laws that treat all people with justice. And then verses 31 and 32, we're told that we are to understand that all earthly authorities are under under a higher authority. And we're to have confidence that the evil authorities will be removed. And what Sammy said earlier during the call to worship, this is true. That the state only has as much power as God allows it to have. And even the most evil regimes, even the most wicked dictators, they're restrained by God, and one day they will give an account to Him on the day of judgment. Verse 32, the wicked is overthrown through his evil doing. And this leads us to our final point. How can I say all these things? How can I say, be engaged in public life? 
And how can I say submit to authorities? And yet there are times you have to oppose them. It's our third point, our, our place under Jesus. I want us to look at our second passage in the bulletin. This is a passage from 1 Peter 2. And this was written to Christians who were suffering intense persecution in the early days of the Christian church. And uh, I'm going to read this passage. It's a, a bit, it's a bit long, but listen to it. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And here we have in this passage another call to subjects under authority. This is a call to us, a command to us, that even if we live under unjust laws and rulers, even when they mistreat their subjects, even when it's with cruelty and oppression, we're called to submit, to be subject to our masters with all respect. Now, I know that this type of thinking has no place in American politics or civic life. I really dislike this verse, these verses. I don't like what they say. But what I like or don't like doesn't really matter because this is what God has called us to do. And what are we really citizens of? Again, Philippians 3 from the beginning of the passage we are citizens of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven if you follow Jesus. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, that means that you should never love your country more than you love Jesus. May your allegiance to him always shadow your approach to politics. May the American way of life be secondary to the mission of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. I happen to really like the American dream. But what God wants for my life, that matters a billion times more than the American dream. May our political preferences never shape the practice of our faith. And this happens, I'm not sure about other countries, but here in America, this happens way too much. That there are politicians that speak from the pulpit at churches on Sundays. This happens on both the left and the right. That there are countrymen conflating their religion with their political party. That politicians use you as a voting block. 
this is gross and disgusting. It's dehumanizing. This makes a mockery of the faithful. And this is not the way of Jesus. What is the way of Jesus? We read it in our passage. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. What did Jesus do when he was placed before the authorities? He submitted himself. He was tortured. He was nailed to the cross. And do you remember the taunts of the soldiers beneath the cross? What did they say? He can save others. Why doesn't he save himself? And at any moment, Jesus could have came down. He could have called down a thousand angels to wipe out the entire place. And yet Jesus remained on the cross, undignified, in humiliation, unjustly. This is what Jesus did. On one level, Jesus submitted to the authorities. But on the most important level, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Our passage tells us that that Jesus submitted himself to the Father. But it's not just that. Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. He entrusted himself to the Father. We're called to submit to the God-ordained authorities placed above us. But we're never called to entrust ourselves to them. Do you see the difference? You can live under the authority of someone, but you don't have to live, you don't have to entrust yourself to them. It was the submission and the entrusting of Jesus that that we have the hope that we have. So that we don't have to put our trust in governments. We don't have to put our trust in the companies that we work for. Or the families that we're a part of. These have a purpose in our lives. God has ordained them. And we can thank God for them. But their purpose is is not to save you. Their purpose is not to save you. There's this one verse in Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Only one man can save you. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you not by giving you laws to obey. He didn't give you finances to fix your problems. He doesn't give you physical healing so that you wouldn't be dependent on Medicaid or whatever social programs will exist in 20 years. Look at Proverbs 14 with me again. A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. So Christian, we're to live as engaged, law-abiding, community-blessing citizens under the authorities of our country. But this is not what we were ultimately created for. We were not created to be American citizens. We were created to, we were created to live under the rule of a king. But we have not been wise before him. We've tried to live according to our, our, our own wisdom. We've tried to make a way of life for ourselves. But we have failed. We have dishonored our king. We've dishonored our maker. And this is called sin. We've lived shamefully. And we deserve the wrath of the true king. But this is the gospel. This is how we think about civil authorities. Because everything always points back to Jesus. Jesus was the servant that dealt wisely. 
And yet the authorities above him put him to death. We are the ones that acted shamefully before the God of the universe. Yet the wrath of the Father did not fall on us. The wrath of the Father fell on Jesus. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin. Jesus paid the price for our attempts at self-rule. And because he did that for you, you can have a place as a son and a daughter before God the Father. You have a place in the citizen, as a citizen in the kingdom of God. And this is the good news that you are not beholden ultimately to the authorities placed above you. You can entrust yourself to the one who gave himself to you. Only Jesus is a good and true and faithful king who will provide all that you need. He is the one that we can trust. Because he humiliated him, he allowed himself to be humiliated and mistreated and oppressed so that we would not have to live like that. This is good news, but there is even more good news for us. And the good news is what we read in the call to worship. That one day King Jesus will come and call to account everyone who has ever put anyone under oppression, anyone who has ever trust anyone who has ever treated other other human beings unjustly. Every king, every president, every prince, every queen, every ruler, they will give an account to the King Jesus. And he will come with a rod of iron and he will wipe out all evildoers. And he will make all things right. And this is what we call him. That he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the one that we can ultimately submit to. And by the grace of God, we will. Will you pray with me? Father, we we recognize that uh, for many of us, we live as citizens of the U.S. And we are thankful for that. What an amazing thing it is to live in a country where we can worship you freely. Where we can honor other people. Where we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. We do not take this for granted. But we also know that it's okay if life in this country does not go the way that we want it. Because this is not our final home. Our final home is in the presence of the Lamb. In the new heavens and the new earth. And this is our ultimate hope. So I pray that you would impress this hope upon us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen.